place today, God. Speak to your people, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. It's Resurrection Sunday, and in other parts of the world, they've already celebrated, and I couldn't help but think about one part of the world this morning, Ukraine. They're probably not having the same kind of celebrations everywhere that we are today. And uh, what I want to share with you in a moment is a couple clips that I received from uh, our Pentecostal leadership in Moldova. And I've shared this with you before, how our church in Moldova, you know, the, the, well, the nation of Moldova is a very poor Eastern European country. And, and what I want to show you is their generosity. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we read about this kind of generosity that comes out of poverty. And it says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. They were, they were some of the poorest people in their world. It says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. And that's where Moldova is kind of one of those forgotten Eastern European countries. But I want to show you what they've done to receive refugees. And again, we played a part in that, uh, our own church, through Assembly of God World Missions, through uh, Convoy of Hope. But they're doing things that don't have to be paid for. It's just a way of them loving and reaching their neighbors. And so if we can show the first clip. It is the second floor of the church. They have a few rooms here upstairs. And these rooms are also used as the places where the church is now receiving the refugees. So this is a church in the upper level. They're letting people sleep there, refugees. And the next one, they actually let them sleep in the sanctuary when there isn't church. This is the church in Yalavin City. And now this church is hosting 51 people, refugees from Ukraine. It's a lot of small kids. And this is the sanctuary. People are living here uh, when it's service. Uh, they collect the mattresses in one corner and then they put back the chairs and after the service everything comes back. So this is the sanctuary and as well as the living place for those refugees. May God bless this church. So let's pray for the, let's pray for the church. Father, we thank you Lord for the generosity and the kindness and the compassion of the Moldovan people Lord of Victor Pavlovsky, Lord, their bishop. Lord, I pray, God, that you would bless them. And Lord, in Romania as well, Lord, with the leadership there, receiving refugees. Lord, so many of the surrounding countries, Lord, is such a strong Pentecostal witness. And I, I know that you will work this for good. Man is desiring it for evil, but Lord, you can turn it around. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would do the miraculous in Ukraine. Lord, I pray that you would turn that situation completely around. Lord, that the evildoers would be sent running, Lord. God, that you would crush the enemy, Lord. That you, would, that you would set your people free, Father. And Lord, I pray, God, that we would continue in our own prayer lives to intercede for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Lord, for those that have been moved out and, and, and relocated, Lord, I pray, God, that they would find grace, Lord. That they would, God, I pray that you would bless them, Lord. That they would realize how much they are truly loved by your church. 
And Lord, I pray that your church would have a testimony that would be shouted around the world. God, we don't expect the media to focus anything but on destruction or social media as well. But Lord, we thank you for these glimpses of compassion, these glimpses of hope. And Lord, I pray, God, your blessing on these churches, again, as they seek to serve and to love. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Hans is coming to receive the offering. Now, this is going to be our general offering. We're going to take a special offering for Convoy of Hope later. And some of their funds, of course, go to Ukraine. So just hold that envelope and that special giving till later. Hebrews 13, 16 says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For such sacrifices, God is pleased. And uh, isn't there so much happening in life, it's easy to forget things sometimes. I mean, I've, there have been things in life that have just, just kind of passed me by and I've forgotten it. And here's a reminder from the author of Hebrews, don't forget to do good. And so really one of the values of receiving an offering is that it keeps us constantly remembering to do good with the resources we have. Lord, thank you that, um, that you uh, give us the opportunity you provide the opportunities within this context to be generous, to do good with the resources you've given us. I pray you continue to bless us as we give this morning. And Lord, we are grateful for this act of worship. In Jesus' name, amen.
got a bullet when you came in. Lift it up high. If you, some of you did, okay, that's okay. But today is Resurrection Sunday, and uh, we're excited that you're here. If you are a guest here today, uh, we would greatly appreciate it if you would fill out that Connect card we have in the, uh, front, in the front of the seat and behind you and turn that in in the lobby to our guest services desk. We have something we'd like to give you, and we'd like to say thank you. So if you could do that, that would be a tremendous help to us. Uh, Wednesday night, we've got Bible study coming up uh, this Wednesday, When God. Make sure you come out. If you haven't, come on out to that. And then I want to say a special thank you from, um, from Praise Youth. That uh, For those of you that bought Easter candy, I hope you've been enjoying it, been enjoying giving it. Some of you are like, glad to get it out of your house. You're like, get this away from me. And uh, hopefully you've been able to enjoy that. But we appreciate your support. There's still some more plus there's a little bonus out there. How many remember have ever eaten stained glass windows? It's dark chocolate, marshmallows in the middle, surrounded by coconut. Those were made yesterday, and they are out there. There's a limited supply. So if you want to get those, make sure you check that out. All Church Movie Night. Uh, do not, you're not going to come and sit in your car and watch the movie. This isn't a drive-in, okay? This isn't 1957, okay? Uh, we, you're going to come, park your car, get out, bring your favorite bag chair, and there's going to be a place over here in this parking lot, and we're going to have a great time. There's going to be a, a movie showing. For those that don't care for movies, there'll be a couple fire pits and some cornhole. Of course, there's going to be some food. It's going to be a great time. If you have somebody been, you've been wanting to invite to church, make sure you do it then. Uh, have them come on out, but all are welcome, all ages, and again, that's the 29th. Youth camp dates and sign up are out in the lobby. Make sure you put your name on there for youth camp. It's going to fill up, and we want to make sure that you're aware of the deposit dates and the fact that the sign up there. And, of course, we have Pastor Bert's address in here. If you'd like to send him a card, a note in the mail, that's always super meaningful. And make sure you are aware of those children's ministry recertification dates. God bless you guys. Okay, now we're ready for Convoy Hope. Almost. What I'd like to do is let's go ahead and show the video on Convoy, a driving passion. All over the world, there are empty plates at the table and countless empty seats. In the famine, in the flood, in the aftermath. A full table is a fantasy. When you are eating nothing, going nowhere, when every road is a dead end and every cupboard is bare, a full plate is a fable. Then suddenly, love arrives. Faith gets to work and hope rolls up its sleeves. When hope sets the table, seeds become sprouts, become gardens, become fields. 
future sinks its roots into the good earth. When hope sets the table, girls grow into women with the power to chase their dreams, define their destinies, and weave their love into communities too strong to unravel. When hope sets the table, bright eyes shine with confidence that comes from a full belly and a sharp mind sparkling with grand dreams and electrifying visions. Convoy of Hope has worked tirelessly to build that table, and millions have taken a seat. Now we ask you to join us, to put your love to work, put your faith on the line, share the hope that's in your heart. So please, pull up a chair, let us break bread together, and let hope set the table for millions more. What a privilege it is for us to partner with Convoy of Hope. Disaster relief, they have an agricultural training program, they have women's empowerment programs, citywide outreaches, children's daily feeding programs around the world. Over four, almost 450,000 children are fed, receive a meal every day in one of the countries that they're located in. In 2021, they served over 29 million people. And as I've already expressed to you, they are busy. They're active in Ukraine and in the surrounding countries as well, helping to feed refugees and give them the basic essentials of life. So whatever you can give. And I want to say thank you to those of you. Many of you have already given online, and you can still do that if you didn't come prepared today. But when you came in, there was an envelope on your seat. If you're not going to do one day's salary to help convoy and help those that they serve, put something in there anyways. Give something today if you would. And let's pray, and then the ushers will come and receive the offering. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessing in our lives. I thank you for the abundance and the bounty in the United States of America. Lord, you have so blessed us. And I thank you that we have this privilege right now to give and to share. And I pray your blessing on each one of us as we give to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
This is what they felt like when it happened. And today, it's how we should feel too. Because what it meant for them, it means for us. Amen. He is risen. And he's still risen. Hallelujah. I want us to open this morning to Luke's Gospel, 24th chapter, and you can follow along on the screen uh, or in your device, or maybe you brought a paper Bible today. Uh, Remember those paper Bibles found? (laughs) Luke chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, And on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. Father God, we thank you for this special, special time of year. Father God, when you sent a lamb, a perfect lamb to die for us. You sent your own son, Jesus Christ, the son of God. And God incarnate to die for us, for our sins. That your blood, Jesus, would cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then, Father, you raised Jesus from the dead. And that's what we celebrate today. That is why we rejoice today, because because you live, Jesus, we also can live. We thank you for all the promises that are held within this day. And Lord, I pray that you'd be honored as we study your word this morning and reminisce, read once again about all that happened on that special weekend. We ask your blessing now in your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today is Easter 2022, 
And to think, to stop and reflect for a moment that two millennia ago, our Savior died and then rose from the dead and is yet alive today. That's the beauty. That's the power. And to think that countless millions and billions have followed him and received new life and eternal life simply by believing in his atoning work on the cross. Listen to Romans 8, 11. It says this, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. What, a, what an unbelievable promise. In other words, because Jesus Christ not only died, but specifically because he was raised from the dead, you and I can also have new life. That is, we can have a life worth living now. And of course, if you've known the Lord for any amount of time, you know your life has been transformed. But we also receive the promise of eternal life after this body of ours ceases to breathe and to live on this earth. And you know what? No one else can make that claim. No one else. No one else can promise us life forever. Only Jesus, only God's son, whom the Bible calls, refers to him as the firstborn from among the dead. Romans 8, 29 says that it is Jesus who is the firstborn of many brothers, meaning that he was the first one to live forever and we are to be conformed into his image. Because he lives, we too shall live if we believe in the power of his resurrection. That's Philippians 3, 10. And what I want you to know today is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is central to everything that we believe. It has to be. I mean, there are a lot of things in the Bible that we should believe, that we can believe about the Lord. We should believe in his virgin birth, in his sinless life, in his role as a healer and as a baptizer. We should believe that he's the son of God and that he is God. We should believe in his vicarious sacrifice on the cross, that he, he died for our sins as he hung on that cross. But above all, above all, we must absolutely believe that he was raised from the dead and that he lives today residing at the right hand of the Father. And I want to show you from Scripture why this is so important. And, and this is found in 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. Liars, basically, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, for just a moment, consider with me, I want you to understand the reason that Paul is writing this letter to these Corinthian believers. If you can imagine, they were first century believers or, or first century people who were being misled and encouraged to believe that there was no resurrection even for those who would follow Christ. I mean, that is absolutely absurd. From where you and I stand and sit today, that is absolutely absurd. But there were people in Paul's day who were teaching that our sins were forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
That is, death pardoned us from all wrongdoing. And they probably also could try to convince and encourage converts to follow Jesus' earthly example of humble living and serving others. Yet they did not believe in his resurrection, in any form of the resurrection. And so Paul confronts the issue. He has to confront the issue. And he does so head on. And he tells the Corinthians, if all that we have is the ability to live a good life here and now, if all that we have is some form of religiosity, a philosophy of living that's restricted or limited to this life only, he says, then we should be considered miserable, more miserable than all other people. If that's all we have, if all we're going to do is live a good life to honor him and then die and that's it, then we are more miserable than all other people. And you know, really, if that's all there is, then we may as well follow any religious leader. We may as well follow the ways of Confucianism or, or Buddha or, or the Hindu way. I mean, what's the difference? If we are not raised and receive eternal life, then Christ was not raised, Paul said. And if he was not raised, then there's nothing for us to hope in. We may as well accept the futility that Solomon had once expressed. I mean, you, you know, Solomon, all of life is vain. All is vanity. And what about the counsel of the rich fool? As Jesus spoke to him, he, the, he comes to the conclusion that we ought to simply eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And you see, this is why I love what Paul writes here in this 15th chapter of Corinthians. He emphatically informs them that if Christ is not raised from the dead, then you are still stuck in your sins. And so what he's teaching us here, and I want you to keep in mind that this is the inspired word of God. This is God's word. This is God speaking to us today. And he's teaching us that the work of Christ is not finished without the resurrection. Yes, he did die for our sins. Yes, he bore the full weight and legal responsibility of our sins when he died on that cross. But without the resurrection, all of that loses its power and significance. Because you see, God's purpose was more than just having you and I live one good moral life and then perish forever. You see, we were originally created to live forever. Amen? Adam's sin changed all that. And so God then sent a second Adam, Jesus, to redeem us and to change it all back. And I want us to turn to one of the simplest and yet most profound verses in all the New Testament. I mean, I'm going to read it, but you know it. You've got it memorized. In this one single sentence, we are told explicitly how to get into heaven. Just one verse, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have life forever, have eternal life. And another verse from Paul to the Christians in Rome, just as simple, but expounds, Paul expounds just a little bit more. He amplifies John 3.16. Paul said in Romans 10.9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I, how, it couldn't be more. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he was, that he was resurrected, then you will be saved. Isn't that incredibly simple? It all hinges around his resurrection. And it's also very, very simple. And yet I don't know what it is about us human beings, but we love to complicate things. 
We really do. I mean, we like the difficult. Humans, humans love to get religious. I mean, all you got to do is look around the world at all the different religions. Look at all the different levels of religion that people get involved in. In fact, you know, most people would much prefer some act of penance or sacrifice, maybe a pilgrimage of some kind. Most people would rather try to work their way into heaven. Have you noticed that? That's one of the hardest things about us trying to witness to Americans. Because they'd rather work their way into heaven than accept the simplicity of John 3.16 or Romans 10.9. And yet the Bible's clear. We don't get into heaven by our good deeds. It's not based upon what we do. It's based upon who we know. We get into heaven by knowing Christ, by believing in Christ, by committing ourselves to him, asking him to forgive us of all of our sins and believing that he's alive today. Listen to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So again, we get into heaven based upon God's grace, not based upon anything that we might do. Except the only thing we might do is to confess and believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that he's the savior of the world, that he's our personal savior. We are to confess Christ and to believe in his resurrection. And that, of course, is what Easter is all about. Easter is about eternal life. Easter is about living with the Lord forever, knowing that when this life ends, when our life ends, we simply walk through a door called death and we enter right into eternity. I mean, just instantaneously. Now, I know I started out with this message, this passage this morning from 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ did not come just to live, help us live good moral lives on this earth and then die ceasing to exist. His primary purpose in coming to our world was so that we could live forever with him. But you know, he did come, and to quote him directly, he did come in John 10.10 10, so that we could have life this life, and life to its fullest. Life abundant is what some translations say before our time in eternity. That our lives would be more meaningful here. That they would be more productive. That they would have real meaning that they didn't have before we met him. And what that means is that, part of what it means is we don't have to struggle in our own strength. We don't have to try to be good moral people. What it means is that we can overcome our innate sin nature because of Christ living in us with his resurrection power. Now, I want us to look at Romans chapter 3. We're going to look at the human problem. We're going to look at sin. And then we're going to read about the solution to the problem. This is Romans 3 verse 9 through 18. Paul says, what shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous. There's no human being righteous, not even one. There is no human being. I'm adding, of course, I'm adding here. You can see that there's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. And this is pretty depressing. Their, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There's no fear of God before their eyes. And those words may seem a little bit harsh. But you know what? They're truly descriptive of the world that you and I live in even today. Things don't really seem to be getting better in the world, do they? The human condition has been infected and affected by sin. 
And so these verses are reality. They're, they're a harsh indictment, yes, but they're based in reality. And then I want you to see what happens in the following verses, beginning in verse 19. Romans 3, verse 19. He says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God because of sin. Therefore, no one, no one, Absolutely no one will ever be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious, we become aware of sin. We see God's standard in the law and realize that we can't keep it. And then verse 21, Paul says, But now, now, right now, a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Look at what it tells us here. Not only can Jesus save us from the eternal torment after life is over if we don't know him as our savior, but he also can rescue us from the pitfalls that are found in this life. Now, a couple more powerful verses from Paul to the Romans. Romans six fourteen. he says, for sin shall not be your master because you're not under law, but under grace. And Romans 8, 12, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature. We have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature anymore to live according to it. And finally, one of Paul's most powerful, spirit-inspired discourses on this topic brings us back to 1 Corinthians 15. And I want us to go back there, and we're going to reread some of what we've already read. But beginning right at verse 1, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, we're going to read most of this chapter. He says, now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. But by this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, primary importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. And more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. And then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life, if only for this life, we have hope in Christ, we're to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man... The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. 
but each in his own turn. Christ, the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. And then finally, verses 50 through 57. Paul continues, I declare to you, brothers, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Easter. This is Easter. What we've just read about here is Easter. Easter declares victory. Verse 57, Easter declares victory over sin and death and even the devil. And so this year today, this Easter, this Resurrection Sunday, let's enjoy the victory that we have. Let's, let's enjoy the new life that Christ has given us. And the promise of eternal life as well. Amen? Pray with me. And as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, let me just ask you, maybe you were invited here today, maybe you're a first-time guest, maybe you've been attending here a while, but I would like to know, do you believe what's been shared today? It, right, right from Romans 10.9, all we need to do to be promised a place in heaven is to believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That he's Messiah. And to believe that he was raised from the dead. To confess him as Lord and believe that he was raised from the dead. That you really do believe that this event we're celebrating today happened over 2,000 years ago. And maybe you've never really made that decision. And this is, this is a great time right now, today, this moment, to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of all your sins. That's why he died on the cross, to cleanse us of all sin, to, to, to remove our past. And then he was raised from the dead so that we'd have the promise of new life and eternal life. And I wonder, as we're praying right now, as Christians are praying, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you made that confession? Have you welcomed him into your life, into your heart, and said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I need you to be my Savior. I need your forgiveness. I need new life. And as we're praying right now, I want to ask you, if that's you if, you, if you sense the Spirit of God knocking on the door of your heart, and you're willing to open that door, and you realize you need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hand where you're seated. No one's looking around except me. But if you just raise your hand and I'll pray for you, you can ask him to come into your life. You can ask him to be your savior because he came, he rose from the dead. 
He rose from the dead. Let's pray together. I didn't see any hands this morning, but, but maybe even still inside, you want to ask Jesus to come into your life. And we're going to pray right now, and you can do that with me. You don't have to even do it aloud. You can just do it inside as I pray. But then if you would today as you leave, see me, talk to me. Let me know that you made that decision to ask him to come into your life. And so, Father, right now, Lord, I pray, God, for anyone here today that doesn't yet know you in a personal way, Lord Jesus, that they would, that they would say, come into my life, Jesus. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I want to believe in you. I choose to believe in you and accept your offer of grace. I want you in my life. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for eternal life. That Because you were raised from the dead and you live forever, I also can live forever simply by confessing that you are my Lord. And I do. I confess you, Jesus, as my Lord. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. Lord, how I pray that you would work that in all of our hearts. And Lord, help us to share that message with anyone and everyone. Even today, maybe gathered around someone's table or the rest of this work week. Lord, use us to spread the good news of what you've done during this very special time of the year. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. Hallelujah, Father. Lord, I pray your blessing in each one of our lives. Lord God, draw us closer to you. Help us to be your witness wherever we go, to share the truths that we've heard today. And Lord, I pray your blessing around each table as families gather. Lord, I pray that you truly would make us a blessing one to another. Again, bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Happy Easter to all of you.